we've been spending some time in the book of Job, and I'd invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Job once again, Job 38. And as we've looked at Job, we've obviously been considering the subject of trials and uh, valleys that we walk through, the sufferings of this life, and trying to gain a biblical perspective on these issues. And we're not taking the time to go through everything. If we did, I believe um, if we went verse by verse through Job, uh, there'd be a a lot of really helpful things for us. But I I also think we might get bogged down a little bit in it. It'd take a while. Uh, It's not a short book. So I'm trying to just kind of hit some of the highlights as we go through it uh, for you. We've got uh, just a couple more messages probably in the book of Job, including this morning. Uh, But I, I hope that maybe some of the things that are being drawn out here would encourage you to go to the book of Job and read it and study it for yourself because there is so much uh, richness and truth that are, that's contained in these pages that I think uh, can be a real help to you. If you're someone who wants to know God and understand the ways of God, uh, I would encourage you to really dig into this book. Well, we've, we've considered several things about, about Job. We've talked about his uh, the trial that he faced and and, and some of the realities of the sufferings that we face in this life. And, and uh, we, we talked last week about Job's friends and the comfort that they tried to be and where they succeeded and where they failed uh, and how we can seek to, to comfort others in a time of grief. But this morning, the subject is really on the Lord and His answer to Job about Himself and His ways. And so we're in Job 38. I'll let you remain seated as we begin reading this morning in verse number 1. Job 38, verse 1 says this, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Now think about this with me if you would. For the past 37 verses, nobody's heard from God. Job's been wondering, where is the Lord? Why is He not speaking? Uh, Why is He not answering me? Why do I feel like He's not working? And now the Lord answers. It says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations of, uh, thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with the doors when it brake forth as if it had been, if it had issued out of the womb, when I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and Break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. We'll stop our reading there this morning as the Lord just continues this question of Job. One of the things that fascinates me about this book so much, and I've mentioned this before, is there's most of the book is a conversation between Job and his three friends, and 
uh, trying to reason through why are these things happening and, and how does God work and, 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 and what is the purpose of life and, and the purpose of trials and all of these things. And then God enters the conversation. I mean, it just seems like out of nowhere the Lord begins to speak. And he opens his mouth and he utters truth. Imagine what this must have been like. As the Lord, the Bible says that he spoke to Job out of a whirlwind, out of a tornado. It must have been that the Lord came down. And and sometimes the Bible describes the Lord speaking as thundering forth his voice. But now he's speaking out of a whirlwind. God is, is, is speaking to Job. And if you've ever been through a tornado or anything like it, you know it gets your attention. God is getting Job's attention, and he's going to give Job an answer. Now, it's not necessarily the answer that Job has been looking for, because in the Lord's answer to Job, most of it is questions for Job. But he's going to to respond to Job and try to help Job understand some things that Job has been without understanding of. I want you to notice... In verse number 2, the Lord asks this question. He says, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That We could phrase that question maybe to say, Who, who do you think you are to, to bring foolishness, essentially, to darken counsel? You've taken truth, you've taken wisdom, and you've, you've put it in darkness because you don't know what you're talking about. You, 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 you're darkening counsel by words without knowledge. Now the reality is sometimes when we speak, when we're trying to understand something, we speak thinking that we understand when we really don't. And a lot of what Job said leading up to this, and certainly a lot of what his three friends said, they were speaking about facts that they knew, but things that they didn't understand. And God is saying, listen Job, you just don't understand. And I hope that today we can just recognize the reality that there are things in this life that we do not understand. And we have to be willing to accept and trust the God that is over all and in control. That as we heard in the song just a moment, a moment ago, that God makes no mistakes. And that His way is best. And that while we may not understand, and sometimes it may seem that God does things that are contrary to what we would consider to be right, that doesn't mean that God is wrong. And really, the Lord's answer to Job, I believe here, it is somewhat gentle and kind, yet it is very firm and direct. And essentially, we could say it in this, In this phrase, the Lord says to Job, who do you think you are? Now that's a sobering thought, isn't it? I mean, Job, here he is in this time of grief, and as fellow human beings who don't like to see people suffer, we would probably, we we give some grace to Job, and we can understand, you know, he has a right to some degree, to, uh, to pour out his complaint and, and to have some things that he's not real happy about, not real pleased about. But the reality is that even in a moment of deep sorrow and deep grief, Job still needs to remember that he's talking to God. And God is God. And God says to Job, basically, who do you think you are? 
And he's going to begin speaking of himself, trying to help Job understand his situation by looking at the Lord and understanding some things about him. And I want to just show you, first of all, the Lord points to his preeminence. Notice, throughout this book, Job has been asking the Lord questions and speaking to his friends, saying, I wish that he would answer me this. And I wish that he would answer this, but look with me, if you would, at verse number 3, where the Lord says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Look also over at chapter number 40. We're in chapter 38. Look at chapter 40 in verse number 7. The Lord says something similar. Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Here's what the Lord is saying. All of this time you have been trying to get an answer from me. And have me explain to you and give you understanding of why I do the things that I do. But Job, here's what you need to understand. God does not answer to man. Man answers to God. Job, you need to answer some questions for me. Now the reality is, friend, that whatever it is in our lives that, that we may uh, face, that we don't enjoy, that we don't appreciate, that we don't like, God does not owe us an answer. But the reality is that every one of us will answer to Him one day for the life that we live. Because He is preeminent. He is Lord over all. I uh, have heard atheists say before in an arrogant way that if somehow they're wrong and God is real, when they stand before Him, they're going to have an awful lot of questions. He's going to have a lot to answer for. And now, friend, that's absolute blasphemy. It's foolishness. But I want you to know this. The reality is every one of us will have some things that we have to answer to God for. In Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, it says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Philippians 2, in verses 9 through 11, says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The idea here is this, that every one of us, not only human beings, but everyone, Everyone will bow their knee one day and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and will give account of themselves to God. Did you know that one day even Satan himself will bow his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord? Everything in the world, things in heaven, things in earth things under the earth, everything is subject to God. God doesn't answer to us, we answer to Him. Imagine how arrogant it is to believe that we are in a position to question God's righteousness or His goodness. 
I'm thankful for God's mercy. I'm thankful that when we fail, when we fail to understand His position and His, His highness and His authority, that He doesn't just uh, come down on us and strike us down with lightning. That's what we would deserve. I, I think of the time where Abraham asked the Lord, he makes this bold and arrogant statement to the Lord, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God, what you're doing is, this is wrong. Friend, I want you to know God is right. God is always right, even when we don't understand. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9 and verse number 20, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? We don't have the right to question God in an accusative way. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask God and try to understand and gain understanding from the Lord. But I do believe that the Lord is putting Job in his place here and making sure that Job understands that he is not in the position to uh, try to convince God that God is wrong. He is in a position, he can seek his understanding, he can seek clarity from the Lord, but the Lord does not owe him anything. He speaks of his preeminence. He, he points to his creation that he is over all. Notice he says in verse number 4, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Hey Job, were you around back when the earth was created? No, you weren't there, were you? But I was. Why? Because I'm the one who made it. I mean, the fact, think about this, the fact that he, he is the creator of all, does that not automatically give him authority and power over his creation? He speaks of his preeminence, but I believe he also points to his perspective. That question in verse number four, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Verse number 8, or who, who shut up the sea with doors? I mean, after all, Job, do you not understand that I'm the one that made all these things? That before anything you see, look, look around you, you see the trees, you see creation, you see the grass there, you see the dirt, you see the oceans. Before any of that existed, I was there. I made all this. The, the book of Daniel calls the Lord, this is actually a name for the Lord. It calls him the Ancient of Days. That's who God is. He is the Ancient of Days. He has no beginning. He has always been. Now think about this. Those of you who have raised children, when you have a small child who thinks that they know something, and maybe you're 25 or 30 years older than them, how much more perspective and understanding do you have than they have in life? I mean, so much more, infinitely more. A small child, a two- or three-year-old little toddler running around who thinks they know what's best for them, who thinks they know what they want, and yet we say, well, I've got wisdom, I've got experience, I've got time. I know things you don't know because I've been here longer. 25 or 30 or 40 years. But God, has always been. He's the ancient of days. And not only has he always been, it's not like he's just gained wisdom over time. God is God. He is infinitely wise. He created wisdom itself. 
I mean, he's the author of wisdom and knowledge. God is God, and he's not restricted by time. Now, we see things like in this, this timeline. We're restricted by time. We remember the past. We live in the present, and we don't know anything about the future. Often, I think, we, we look at God as though he's kind of restricted by the same time frame, but he has this superpower where he can see into the future. That's not the reality. God exists outside of time. And because God exists outside of time, it's not like God says, way down the road, someday we're going to encounter this and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. No, God is everywhere at all times. The Bible says in Isaiah 46 and Verses 8 through 10, remember this and show yourselves, men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Listen to this. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. You see, God sees all things, past, present, and future. He sees them all at the same time. And he says, I declare the end from the beginning. And everything I say is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. Now, here's what I want you to understand from that. God has some perspective that you don't have. God sees things you don't see. In Job's situation, he was overwhelmed, understandably overwhelmed by his circumstances, overwhelmed by the weight of his grief, but everything was just right here in his face. It was all fresh. It was all new. He couldn't, he couldn't think ahead. He couldn't see ahead. And really, in a lot of ways, even his memories of the past were messed up. I mean, everything was just right here. What's in front of him? What is today? Maybe you've been in a time of deep grief and sorrow at some point in your life. And you know what that's like? It's like there's just this cloud of confusion that weighs over you. Like, you, you just can't think clearly. You can't think straight. That's where Job was. And here, God is speaking to him and essentially saying, Job, listen, I've got perspective you don't have. I can see things you can't see. You need to be willing to accept and trust me because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He speaks of his preeminence. He speaks of his perspective, but he also speaks of his power. <laughs> he, he's from verses 4 on through uh, really the next couple of chapters. God speaks of his creation how he created all things, and how he rules and reigns over the affairs of the world. Again, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? I'm the one that created all of these things. God is above all things. He is more powerful than all things. One of the things that just fascinates me is we consider the vastness of our universe. The reality is nobody knows exactly how vast the universe is. With, with as technologically advanced as we have become, we can see literally billions and trillions of miles out into uh, the universe. And we're able to see close-up images of stars and planets and all of these things. But even as advanced as we are today, uh, scientists, all they can do is make a best guess of how many galaxies there are out there and how many stars there are out there and 
And, and as you start to look at even just the vastness of our own little galaxy, one of billions, literally billions of galaxies in our universe, just the, our galaxy that we live in is so infinitely large, we just can't wrap our minds around it. Within our galaxy, there are billions of stars in our galaxy, most of which are much larger than our sun. The sun is thousands of times larger than the earth. And most of these billions of stars is larger than our, than our sun, our star. And outside of this little galaxy, there are billions more galaxies, and it's estimated, listen to this, it is estimated that there are 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. That's a two with 23 zeros after it. That's the estimate. That's the best guess that we could come up with. Th think about this. If you were to take all of the water that covers the earth, lakes, rivers, oceans, all of the water that covers the earth, and you broke it down by cups, the number of cups, for every cup of water on earth, you would have ten stars. Think about that. That's incredible. And here is God's relationship to the stars. This, this is what amazes me. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 16, it says at the end of the verse, almost like an afterthought, and he made the stars also. That's God. I mean, just in all of these things, in the fine details of creation, and he made the stars also. Think about the vastness of our God. By the way, it tells us in uh, Psalm 147, let's go there, I want to go here with you and, and just look at this. Psalm 147. <clears throat> Psalm 147, verse number 4, it says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Listen, the greatest minds that we have ever seen in all of history can only guess roughly at the number of stars in the universe. And really, even they admit, we have no idea. But God calls them all by name. Now here's the thing, I have seven kids. Sometimes I can't get their names straight. <laughs> Think about this. God calls them by their name. Do we understand who God is? I mean, human beings, can't, we, we can't fully grasp who God is. But I want to say to you, and, and, and say this as, as, as clearly as I can, that God is so far above us, That for us to think that somehow we could correct God for things that He does or things that He allows is so foolish and arrogant. Can't even put it into words. God is God. Now listen, we're in Psalm 147. 
It says in verse 5, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. This is who this God is. And he's saying to Job, look at me. This is who I am. This is what I want you to know. But notice this. Notice verse number 3. Before it says that about who he is, look what it says in verse 3. He healeth the broken heart and bindeth up their wounds. You know what is so incredibly wonderful about God? As high and holy and powerful and authoritative as He is, as much as He reigns and rules over all, as much as He has the right to do whatever He wants to do, and we have no right to question Him, in spite of all of that, He cares about you. He cares about me. And and not just in a general sense, like I want to make sure that they're okay, but He cares about our feelings. He cares about our hurts. He binds up the broken heart. He he heals our wounds. This, This is who our God is. This God who reigns supremely over all is concerned with your heart. As we go back to the book of Job, as as the Lord is dealing with this issue of who He is and trying to give Job some perspective, I want to show you that He talks to him also about His provision. Look what He says in Job 38 and verse number 39. He says, Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion... Or fill the appetite of the young lions? When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait, who provideth for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of meat. Do you realize what God is saying? Sometimes we read through these poetic books and I think we just get lost in all the language of it. Here's what God is saying. The animals of the world eat at the hand of God. Not just in the sense that He created this earth to sustain itself and now they have food and they go out and just by instinct. they. What He's saying, He's saying to Job, I'm the one that hunts for food for the lion. When a lion goes out and it catches an antelope and eats it, it's because... I providentially put that antelope in its place so that that lion could eat that day. And when the raven goes out and it gets food and brings it back to its young, it's because I heard the chirping of the young and provided food so that the raven could... What what is God saying? He's, He's saying, I am involved in my creation. Do you know a lot of people have this idea in their mind that God set the universe in in its course, in its way, and he kind of distanced himself from it, and he he set it up to sustain itself and to run itself, and then he, he took his hands off, and he stands there aloof, and what God is saying is, listen, I am involved in everything that happens in the world. Everything. In, in chapter number 39, he talks about the, the eagle flying at his command. When God says, all right, I want you to move, that's when the eagle moves. I mean, God is involved in everything. Jesus said, 
that not a sparrow falls from the sky without him knowing. I mean, God is involved. And whatever it is that's going on in your life, don't believe for a second that God has abandoned you. Because God is actively working in your life. The air that you're breathing, that's from God. Your heart that's beating, that's God giving your body life. The Bible says that in the book of Hebrews that He sustains all things by the word of His power. It says in Colossians that by Him all things consist. I mean, everything that we have is held together by God. He is actively working, and He says that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He said, be of good cheer. You are of more value than many sparrows. God cares about you. And what is God trying to show Job? Job, listen, I am high, I'm holy, I am above all. And by the way, I don't owe you an answer. You're going to have to answer to me. But Job, you need to know this, that I am actively at work in my creation and in your life. And I care about you. Friend, I don't know where you are today, what you may be facing in life. But I want you to know that there is a God who sees more than you see. Who is absolutely within His right to do whatever He wants to do. And yet, who has promised to do good in your life if you're among one of His people. If you're a child of God, He has made the promise that all things will work together for good. If you read through the Bible, it's impossible to ignore that there were times when everything seemed hopeless and the reality was it was all just falling together according to God's plan. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Esther. And if you know that that story, I'd encourage you to just go back and read the book It's amazing how hopeless it seems. Here they are living in a in a foreign land, and and there it looks like the Jews are going to be totally exterminated, put out, snuffed out. And God providentially puts this young maid in the position of queen to get the ear of the king to actually give her people position and power. In the kingdom. God knows what he's doing. And when things seem hopeless. They're not. They're not. God cares about you. And he's working in your life. To bring about good. I believe that if you are here today. And you're a child of God. You know that you're saved. God's primary purpose in all things that he's doing. Is to conform you to the image of his son. Because that's what it says, isn't it? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what God is trying to do in your life, Christian. He's trying to make you more like Christ. Trying to purge out some of the 
the, the bad that's there, some of the sin, some of the carnality. He's trying to purge that out and make you more like his son. Even Job recognized that. He said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God and you're lost, you, you've never been saved, you've never been adopted into God's family, His purpose in your life might be a little different. Now, it doesn't mean that He's forgotten you, it doesn't mean He doesn't love you, but His purpose in your life is to bring you to repentance, to bring you unto Himself in salvation. And it may be that He's put certain circumstances into your life to Uh, wake you up to the reality that this life is temporary and it's short and eternity is forever and you need to be prepared to meet Him. He's working in your life to bring you unto Himself and salvation. Friend, can I just ask you, what is it that God is putting you through in your life to maybe give you, to make you more Christ-like or to bring you unto Himself? And how is your attitude about that? How's your attitude about the circumstances of your life? How's your attitude toward God? Are you recognizing Him as supreme and authoritative over all? Are you trusting Him knowing that He is in control of all things in your life? Trusting that He is faithful to His promises? That He'll never leave you or forsake you? Are you ready to stand before Him in judgment, knowing that one day every one of us will give account of Himself to God? 